Welcome to the Fitness Oracle Podcast, where we have real conversations with real people just like you. I am your host, John Katsavos. Today, we are we have an incredible guest joining us. His name is Owen Santos. Owen is a true powerhouse in the solar industry, known for his exceptional leadership and fitness prowess. He began his career in personal sales, selling, and installing over $10 million worth of home security and solar systems in just seven years. But Owen's journey didn't stop there. He discovered his passion for growing teams, scaling systems, and leading leaders to build extraordinary lives as a high-level leader at Trinity Solar. He has achieved over $150 million in sales and recruited a remarkable 450 plus individuals to join his mission. What truly sets Owen apart is his dedication to building up others. He has helped 27 leaders transform their lives, equipping them with the mental and physical skills to succeed and lead others in the same way. Beyond his professional achievements, Owen is a proud husband and father, embodying the importance of balance and well-being in all aspects of his life. Throughout this podcast, we delve into a range of inspiring talk topics with Owen, including overcoming obstacles, fitness strategies, effective implementation, building confidence, and leading a low-stress life. Are you ready to take your life to the next level? Join the Fitness Oracle podcast today, subscribe to the newsletter, and gain exclusive access to exciting perks. You'll be the first to know about our new episodes and receive early access before they're released to the public. But wait, there's more. As a subscriber, you'll also have the opportunity for a one-on-one -on -one phone call with me where we'll discuss fitness and lifestyle goals and how we can help you achieve them. Plus, you'll receive free access to our thriving private community where we hold engaging discussions about the episodes and how you're applying the lessons to your life. Together, we're embarking on a journey towards a healthier, happier you. Join the Fitness Oracle podcast today and let's unlock your true potential. Owen, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, John. Excited to be here. I love the surfboard in the background. Do you do any surfing? I do. It's uh, it's definitely my habit outside of the gym that uh, allows me to have a blast while while staying fit. Very cool. Very cool. Um, I always ask this question when we first uh, kick off the show from all my guests. Uh, what first got you interested in uh, what you do and uh, how you help? I think the first thing, if you want to dive right into it, the very first thing from the beginning would be um, I was real sick as a kid. So I grew up on uh, on breathing machines. I had terrible asthma. So I grew up on breathing machines. Uh, some of my first memories were actually looking outside and watching other kids play and knowing that I couldn't because if I got out of breath, I couldn't breathe. Like my throat would constrict like a straw. If you can imagine a straw just tightening. 
and it would constrict. And I wouldn't be able to breathe. And so I was on all sorts of medicines to uh, just be able to, you know, walk around essentially and breathe that way. And eventually my parents moved me from New Jersey to Arizona just to experience the dry heat and the lack of uh, humidity in general, just so I could hopefully have a chance at a normal life. And long story short, uh, I kept getting sick. And every time that I would get a cold or a flu or something like that, I would end up in the hospital especially if I continued to play sports or continue to try to be active. And it got to the point where I was seeing the same doctor so much. I remember when I was 10 years old, I asked him, you know, doc, how do I never see you again? Like, how, how does this never happen again? And uh, I was in the hospital bed. I had oxygen in my nose, you know, I was 10 years old. And he looked down on me and just kind of laughed, kind of chuckled and said, you know, he'll, you'll see me every year. I'll, I'll be a, a permanent fixture in your life, essentially. And he, he looked down on me as I felt like he was looked down on me, not just, you know, verbally, but also just from a, a view of like, you don't know what you're talking about. You don't know how sick you are and you don't know the kind of life you're about to live. And I remember just kind of shaking with rage. And he said, the only way you'll never see me again is if you never get sick again. And from that point on, I was 10. And that, from that point on, I just started to dive deep into everything that I could possibly figure out about fitness and health and nutrition and wellness. And I ended up seeing him one more time, but that was, that was the last time when I was 16. So I ended up becoming extremely, extremely healthy, started to lift weights right away, uh, gave up sugar and all that, started to eat clean. And since then, it's been um, a long journey for myself personally, but also once I realized that I could actually help people go along that same path and evolve, not just physically, but also mentally teaching them the disciplines and the, the structures and things like that needed to achieve that high level of health. It became a, uh, a passion of mine and hasn't, hasn't ever since hasn't, or hasn't ever dwindled since I should say, and I don't see that happening anytime soon. That's crazy. Um, you gave up sugar. Um, that is like the hardest thing for a human being to give up because it's so addictive. It's, I think if they said it, sugar is more um, addictive than cocaine itself. I've heard that as well. How did you do that? Like, I, I have a hard time giving up sugar. For me, it's always been, I, I can't say obviously I've been perfect with it. <laughs> I mean, I've definitely had some sugar in the last 25 years as I'm 35 now, but uh, it's the same way I've been able to accomplish anything in my life, John. It's just understanding the, uh, the, like the, the reasons to do so. You know what I mean? When I think about, even as a kid, when I would think about drinking that soda or eating that ice cream, I would immediately think about the hospital and whether I wanted to have the soda more than I wanted to stay out of the hospital. And at that point, there wasn't really a decision. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. if you simplify that much, even down to the, the finite detail of you may not be able to breathe if you continue to eat like this. You know what I mean? So when you want something as bad as we all want to breathe, it's fairly easy to... Uh, to get away from the things that you might think would stop you from doing that. Have there, have there ever been any moments where you said, ah, screw it. I'm just going to do whatever it need, I need to do anymore. I'm just going to live my life and not have to worry about it, any of that stuff. And again, absolutely. Yeah. I've definitely <laughs> had lapses in judgment, especially in college, like with alcohol and things like that. You know what I mean? I've, I've made millions and millions of mistakes, but in general, I've been able to continue down this path and the times I have strayed from it, I'm reminded pretty quickly of 
you know, why I, why I got into this in the first place. And I've had a, a few scares when I've gotten sick over the last 25 years because I have been sick a few times, but uh, a few scares with the asthma coming back. So I am consistently reminded of that and I'm able to continue that perspective or keep that in perspective, I should say. Uh, as much as I possibly can, it's been uh, it's been transformative for me every single day. You know, I mean, I'm reminded of that stuff every single day. I think that ability to have that high level perspective is uh, powerful, not just for me, but for anybody that can have it around anything that they actually want to to go get. Very cool. Um, you help people get out of ruts, and it's a, it's a very um, it's a very difficult place for, <clears throat> excuse me, it's a very difficult place for a human being to be in when they're in the thick of it. What are some of the steps that you help uh, people to get out of them? Because it's, like I said, like it's when you're in it, it's it's so tough to get out of. There's so many different kinds of ruts, right? So the idea of starting with fitness and being able to, lean into the body to get into the mind and the concept of understanding that we're not really going to think ourselves into a new way of acting. It doesn't happen very often, but we are able to consistently act ourselves into a new way of thinking, right? So personally, uh, I've been able to get out of ruts just by remembering what it is that I want, why I want it, and what it'll feel like when I get it. And helping people that I've coached throughout the last 10 years to also get out of ruts, it really starts with that, right? You can start just by moving. That's going to help you right off the bat. But then really understanding what the person wants that is in the rut in the first place. Like if you're if you're down here, understand. But what are, what are you after? What is what is it that would make you not down here anymore? And why do you want that thing? And then what's in the way, like what, what's in, what's essentially the path from where you're at now to where you want to be or who you are now to who you want to be. And then just understanding very clearly what's on that path, asking that permission or asking that person, I should say, permission to hold them accountable to the daily actions, the daily habits that will help them get from where they are now to where they want to be. And then just gently, but firmly holding them accountable to that. And you have to be ready, of course, to get out of a rut. You have to want to get out of that rut more than uh, more than you don't want to. And you have to be very clear on why you're doing it. You know, you have to have big reasons. I think that I've always had to scale in my head with myself and with the people that I, which is if you have, call it reasons, call it, you know, finding your why, call it noble causes, which I prefer to call it noble causes. But when you can identify those things, they can push towards almost anything. And if you think about it, it's really the way, think about like the Hollywood structures, their movies, right? You have, you have Luke Skywalker in Star Wars. And if you didn't know his cause, finding out who his father was, finding out if he could actually accomplish what he was after, finding out if he could tap into the force, the way that he was chasing it, and actually master that if it was all real if you didn't know his from really the beginning we wouldn't be able to identify with that and follow along in that movie and we wouldn't be such big fans of it i think about wallace and braveheart i think about achilles and troy i think about rocky right rocky the common man his cause was he just wanted to see if he could go 15 rounds he just wanted to know if he could go the distance and because his cause was infinitely clear 
we followed along and we cheered for him and it gave us goosebumps when he finally went the distance. And so when somebody's in a rut, identifying what their noble cause is through a series of questions and, you know, sit downs and actually caring about the person enough to take the time to do so and helping them accomplish that has been uh, the best way that I've seen to get out of a rut. It's to sum it up simply identify a noble cause and go chase it. Can life sometimes push you to get you out of that rut and force you to find that noble cause? Because I feel like sometimes if, let's say we take your finances, for example, right? Um, we hit rock bottom with our finances. You lose 150000 uh mm -hmm. in a year and you don't have money to pay the rent. You don't have money to buy food. You don't have money to put the gas in the car. Can something like that push you to find some a way out 100% if you allow it to right so just going back to the story of me when I was a 10 year old that was my noble cause was proving that doctor wrong and being able to breathe and life put me in that circumstance and gave me that lesson and it was a blessing right I definitely would not be the the person I am today and accomplish things that I've accomplished if I didn't go through that and life showed me that but you have to have your eyes open and sometimes that's where the coaching comes in sometimes if you sit down with somebody and go through their experiences they can understand that something actually happened for them as opposed to to them. And that can become part of that noble cause. Very cool. Uh, consistency is also a big part of uh, staying with this, <clears throat> excuse me, um, especially after it. Uh, I, Cause I noticed that even with my personal training clients, uh, they're, they're good for the time that you, you're, I'm with them, but the second they quote unquote fire me or our time has passed, they fall into the same stuff. How important is being consistent and um, sticking with it after you're done the coaching? That's where the habits come in, right? I mean, that's, that's vital. I mean, everybody's probably heard, show me your habits and I'll show you your future. And it's that ability to revisit those causes. It's that ability to remember why you started. You know, if you're driving down the road and God forbid you're texting Right. And you look up and you're swerving in the other lane and you almost smash into a minivan that potentially had a family in it. You pull over, you're like, holy crap, I can't believe I almost did that. You know that you are not going to text for the rest of that journey. Right. You are going to drive there. You're, you're not going to touch your phone. You're probably swearing you're never going to do it again. And then 99% of us at some point in life will start texting and driving again. If <laughs> right. Because perspective is a skill. And that ability to remember what it felt like to almost have that life-altering, potentially life-ending crash or event is, it, it's fleeting. But I've noticed with the highest level people that I've worked with and when I've had the most success, it's when I'm, it's when I'm able to capture that feeling, remember what it feels like and let that push me consistently. So it's remembering why you started and, and visiting with it regularly. And I think that the, the ability to keep that perspective is, is absolutely crucial. Very cool. Uh, you said something there that I want to touch up on with habits. Um, I understand habits uh, to. It's a lot longer than what most quote unquote professionals say a habit is formed. Most people yeah. say it's 21 days to form a habit. Yes, it's 21 days to form a habit. However, you haven't removed the bad habits. You just created a new one. And it's easy to fall back in the bad, bad habits because it's comfortable. How, how do you help people um, break the, uh, form the new habits, but also break the old habits 
And how long do you normally see uh, see that kind of um, transformation happen? It's a great question. And I think it's subjective, right? You hear that it takes 21 days to form a habit. But what if somebody's just resistant to forming habits and it happens to take them longer and it just doesn't work out? And then nobody talks about how many days it takes to break a habit, especially a good habit. You know what I mean? Because you can go, you can go three months without cake, but if you eat it for two days, that habit of not eating that cake is is back. <laughs> you just you just broke that habit pretty quickly. So it's to me again, not to not to be redundant, but it's it's going back to why you started. You know, you have to remember why you started in the first place and you have to understand similar to um, AA, you know, as far as addiction and things like that goes, we're, we're all addicts. We're all addicted to something. And the idea is to replace bad addictions with good addictions and become addicted to those great habits that are going to actually get you what you want. Right. So understanding that it takes very, very short time for a good habit to break. And understanding that that's part of the journey. There's a um, my favorite basketball player. I, I played basketball my, my entire life up until like 25. And my favorite basketball player always talked about um, Kobe Bryant. Most people know who that is. But he always talked about the, especially towards the end of his career, he talked about embracing the process and embracing the journey as opposed to just the result. And understanding around habits, like that is a journey. It's always going to be a challenge to continue the good habits. And there's never, there's not a Mount Rushmore. There's not an Everest where you get to the point where you have perfect habits and you never have to work again. You know what I mean? Understanding that, that, uh, that success is, it's really rented and that, that rent is due every single day. And that's what the habits are. Like you have to be able to pour into that. And on the other side of that, on the other side of those challenging habits, life, it does actually get easier. You know, the people with the most challenging habits that I've ever worked with, they actually have the easiest life and the, the most carefree life. I would say the ones that have the most challenging habits. That's very cool. That's very cool. Um, now, this next question is a little bit redundant, you know, coming from a personal trainer. Um, mm -hmm. But I want to get your perspective on this on this question. Why do you deem fitness so important? I know my answer. I mm -hmm. want to hear yours. That's a podcast in and of itself. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> There's so many different reasons, but I believe to answer it in a through a habit focused lens it's because it teaches you so many different habits. It's not just about, you know, looking good. It's not even just about physically feeling good, but it's about the discipline that you learn. It's about the structure that you learn. It's about the willpower that you learn. It's about the consistency that you learn. Like so many habits that then apply to other parts of life, you can, you can essentially have born in fitness or have born through fitness. Right? If you're dedicated to some sort of fitness regimen for a long period of time, you learn all these other habits that you can then apply to so many different, I would say, just about every area of life. And I've seen that with people I've worked with, and I've seen that with myself. You know, the, the fitness habits that I started to develop at 10 years old have propelled me throughout my entire life. Very cool. Very cool. Deadlifts or cardio? Which one do you like? Mm, if I had to pick, deadlifts. Uh, that's that's a good answer. I like I love I love uh, resistance training. Why 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 deadlifts? Why resistance training over cardio? Uh, I believe that cardio is something that was popularized a couple decades ago before the the actual research was done. And it's also fitness is somewhat about aesthetics, right? And I always tell people if you're just getting into it, look at um, just decide who you want to look look like. Like that like that does matter. And if you look at a long distance runner. And if you look at a resistance trainer, most people don't want to look like the long distance runner. 
obviously there's nothing wrong with that guy or that girl. And if that, if that's your, you know, if that's your cup of tea, fantastic. But most people want some muscle definition. Most people want some sort of size and most people want that, uh, that more generically aesthetically pleasing uh, frame than the, than the long distance runner has. So it's an easy place to start there. And I just don't believe that it builds up the, uh, the muscle that will optimize your health, that resistance your training does. What would you say to somebody who can't afford to go to a gym? Let's say they're like financially ruined. They can't afford to, to, to hit the gym and hit the weights. What would you say to them? How would you help them um, get some resistance training? It's a great question. And if you look at people hundreds and hundreds of years ago, there were no gyms. You know, the nature is the, the most beautiful gym that we could possibly hope for. It's especially if, I mean, maybe if you're a, a competitive bodybuilder and, and looking to pack on that last 10 pounds of muscle, you need a gym or whatnot. But most people, I think the average person absolutely does not need to go to a gym to 3X, 4X, 10X their level of health that they're at now. And that, that doesn't mean go outside and do that chronic cardio that I was just bashing on, right? It means you've got plenty of body weight. I was just doing this this morning. I did a body weight workout at my home because I like to stay home on Sunday for my family. And uh, I was able to do a body weight workout with no gym and it feels just as good. You know, there's, there's a million things that we were gifted with because everybody can go outside and everybody has a body. And if you can go outside and if you have a body, then you've got plenty of tools to achieve a very high level of fitness. Again, maybe not the absolute peak level of like bodybuilder type fitness. You do need a gym for that likely just to target those tiny little muscles that uh, those guys absolutely perfect. But to achieve a really good level of fitness, you've got your body, you've got the outdoors, and, and you can get it done. So you're a fan of callous. I can never say this word. Callous. The callous. Yeah. I can't say it. <laughs> you used to drink me up as well. I am. Um, but And again, I don't mean like chronic cardio type calisthenics. I just mean intense, short bursts. You know, max amount of push-ups you can do, max amount of sit-ups you can do, sprints. I'm not saying never run. But uh, any, any sort of intense movement like that, that gets your heart rate up, that pushes you outside of your comfort zone is going to cause growth. It's interesting because you said sprints and you, you, you associated sprints with running because it's two different types of running. Sprints is more of a, of a ballistic form of, I'm going to use this term loosely, cardio. My listeners know I hate that term cardio. We're... <laughs> long distance running is more of a steady paced slower so it's a different type of running like for example if you look at a, a sprinter's body compared to a marathon runner's body it's right very different very different and again that sprinter's body is typically what most people want right yeah. not the marathon runner's body and i'm a big fan of sprints i'm a big fan of explosive movements but yeah, it's, it's that, uh, that chronic cardio that uh, I definitely recommend against. It just, it does, just doesn't build the aesthetics that you want. It doesn't build the strength that most people want. And also, uh, having played basketball for a very long time, I know what a lot of running at a decent speed does to your knees, does to your ankles, does to your joints, especially as we get older. I always feel bad for those people when I'm driving to the gym or you know just out and about. Those people that I see uh, uh, just pounding miles on the road. And they've got like a, a hitch in their gait because, you know, they're probably on mile seven and their knee is killing them and they're just trying to push through and God bless them for having the willpower to do that. I just don't believe it's the most healthy way to get done what they're likely trying to get done. 
Well, that kind of goes against with like like somebody like David Goggins, who runs the ultra marathons and ultra triathlons and all that stuff. He loves that kind of stuff. Uh, I'm not saying that he's right. I'm, I agree with you, because if you look at our bodies um, uh, mechanically, we are designed for short, long distance walking and short distance sprinting. That's how we're designed to. Mm-hmm. But what would you say to the uh, David Goggins arg- arguments? I would say that David Goggins is an absolute beast of a human, and he is fun yes. to watch. Is, is fun to listen to. And if you feel like that you are the top 0.1% in the world, then you should do stuff like David Goggins does, you know? And, and if that makes you happy, knock yourself out. But <laughs> most of the people that are, are looking for coaching, most of the people that need help, most of the people that are looking to get out of a rut, I don't think that you should follow David Goggins format. I don't think that you should follow his training regimen. You know, he's, He's a, uh, he's an alien, man. He's a, he's, he's a horse of a different color completely. You don't uh, really is (laughs) if you you never played basketball before you don't look at what Michael Jordan did and start doing that day one, you know? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, kind of like tying everything in in a a little bit, I want to touch up on implementation because implementation is, is probably a big sticking point for a lot of people. Um, And it kind of falls into the whole, you know, I'm going to get, I'm going to start this program. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this idea and I'm going to get rich right away. What would you say to, uh, I call them professional starters and I put myself in this category as well. What would you say to professional starters and how can you help them um, find an idea because they have tons of ideas and just focus on that idea? How would you help them? By professional starters, do you mean somebody who has started a lot of things? Yeah. They they start something and they see it does it. They, they try for like a month or two and it doesn't work. And then they flip over to something else and they start something new. And then they start and they keep doing the cycle over and over. They don't give it that time for it to um, grow, to mature. Right. Very few of the best people in any industry aren't very successful. Meaning if you're the best at whatever you do, you're probably going to achieve and experience some pretty high levels of financial success, right? And it takes a while to become the best. Nobody's ever become the best overnight. I learned a long time ago that it was when it was the first time that I wanted to make uh, my goal that year was $300,000. I think I was 27 years old. I had a couple of good years before and the person I was working with at the time, one of my mentors said that he said, oh, and if you want to make $300,000, which is something you've never done, you have to acquire $300,000 worth of skill. And then you have to do $300,000 worth of work. And that just simplified things for me. Like, huh. So if I've never done it before, I probably don't have $300,000 worth of skill. And I may have done $300,000 worth of work at that time because I was working my ass off. But... I just didn't have the skill at that point. So I didn't feel like the work was missing, like the skill was missing. So I went and got the skill, right? So this skill takes time. And just like anything else, you have to be able to put that work in. And I think that we're in, a, in an age now where there's more information than there's ever been. It's everywhere. And it's learning is prioritized. You know, self-education is prioritized. That's why people listen to podcasts. That's why we're doing this right now. And I think there's so much access and ability to access great information. 
but implementation is underprioritized. And at this point, with as easy as it is to learn, I would say, and I would put implementation over learning at this point. Because if you, for example, the people that say they, they read 60 books a year, that, that's good. But if you can tell me five great things from each one, of, or tell me one great thing, tell me one great thing from each one of those 60 books, and I can just about guarantee that you can't do it. Right. I would prefer the people that I work with to read one or two great books and implement 100% of the great stuff that they've learned. So prioritizing implementation as opposed to knowledge gathering is probably the quickest way that I've seen to acquire skill. Because a lot of the people that I work with on the coaching side and on the, um, the sales side, which is what I've coached a lot of people in over the last 10 years, a lot of these people come in with zero knowledge. And it's not the people that have the highest skill or even the highest aptitude for learning that have the most success. It's the people that are able to find the best information, which is what I provide with the people that I'm working with or what I put them in front of, guide them to, you know, if it's a, if it's somebody I'm working with on the, uh, the sales aspect, I'll guide them to sales experts. If it's fitness, I know quite a bit about that, but I'll also guide them to other fitness experts. And it's the people that take that information that I organize for them or that I've seen organized for them and they implement it at the highest level, those are the most successful. It's not the ones that gather the most information. It's not the smartest ones. It's not the most talented ones. It's just simply the ability to what I call pull the gold from any situation that they're in and then actually do something with that gold. I love how you how you said uh, you would rather have um, one person read one or two books and implement 100% of it because uh, I used to fall into that category myself where i would read four books in it four books a day and i would learn nothing i would implement nothing yeah. and it was uh it wasn't up until i joined a men's group that uh they actually they, they actually said okay just read what you can and implement one thing out of that book into your life and see how it's changed you and it's night and day difference with so many different things so i love that I, I love that concept um what are some other things that you can help other people um are there any like steps that you can actually help with people to like implement a task implement uh, an idea to 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 come into fruition for them john before i answer the question we can't just breeze over that you said you read four books a day <laughs> we have to talk about that for a second how is that even possible are you the are you an absolute speed reader world's fastest reader how does that so work i was i i learned uh, i learned a trick from um four-hour work week from tim ferris okay. and it's reading with your finger while yep. you're while and you only read the first first two letters or first two words and last two words of each of each line and you're just basically just skimming through the pages. Gotcha. So it's like, technically you're getting the gist of the book, but you're not really getting the real context of what the author is trying to share with you. So it's like you're reading, but you're not really absorbing. So yeah. now I've, I've changed the, I've changed the whole um, concept instead of reading uh, 50 to hundred pages of a book in, in a day, I read 10 pages in a day. Right. Yeah, that, that's that's the route I would take, man. And I fell into uh, the same bucket that you talked about. I never read four books a week or four books a day. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, there was a time in my life where I was de definitely getting through one a week. 
and you're taught to, or at least I was taught to get some sort of satisfaction and almost a status for that. You know, I would tell people I read a book a week and I'm that guy, you know, and it would be a, a point of pride for me. But again, I realized eventually that I wasn't actually retaining much, right? So if you want to, to answer your question, if you want to actually start implementing, you have to be able to, I would start with just the ability to implement one simple concept, which is, in my opinion, where confidence comes from and where the ability to confidently implement comes from, which is just implementing that hundred, that level of 100% integrity with yourself. And what I mean by that, and I tell my guys this, and I tell all the people that I interview and coach this regularly, but it's that ability to, if you're the type of person that you, when you become the type of person that wakes up in the morning and they tell themselves they're going to brush their teeth three times. And then if they go to bed that night, it's 10 PM and they've only done it twice and they're, they're passing out, even though they didn't tell anybody else, they're passing out. They've only done it twice. They get their ass out of bed and they brush their teeth a third time, not because they told anybody not because of anything, but the simple fact that they made that commitment to themselves. So when you start to do that, it builds the confidence that you're able to do what you said you're going to do, right? And it starts to nurture that relationship with yourself and build that reputation with yourself. Because in my opinion, it's all about the ability to implement is about that reputation with yourself. Because when you orient your identity around somebody that implements, and then you consistently prove that to yourself, it then becomes to go back to habits. It then becomes that habit, right? So I think implementation is a skill that you can develop that eventually then becomes a habit to where you walk through the, imagine like, if you remember the, the movie Iron Man, like how he could just select different things from his, his HUD that he had in his little, um, his little mask. Mm -hmm. That's what I try to teach my clients and my actual um, employees that I work with to see the world as as just pieces of gold that you can pull. And, you know, if you say something transformative for me on this podcast, I'm going to pull it, I'm going to write it down. And then I'm going to think about how I can actually apply that to my life, as opposed to just thinking like, that was, that was a great line, John. Holy crap. You know what I mean? And then moving on with my life. No, I want it. If you say something great, I want it. I want to keep it. And I want it to start to sculpt my life as opposed to just having entertained me for a few seconds. Very cool. You said something there, and I want to touch up on it. Um, you, if, a, uh, if, a, if a guy says to himself, if a man says to himself, I'm going to brush my teeth three times a day, and you only do it twice, you wake up, uh, you get out of bed, and you brush it a third time. That's almost like keeping your word to your keeping your word. How important is a man's word to A, himself, and B, to others? I think that's a pillar that we build our lives on. We know you know, you know, if you kept everything, if you kept all your, your uh, commitments to yourself already today, and if you and I get on this podcast and I've already broken three or four commitments to myself, then how am I supposed to sit here and try to deliver anything valuable for anybody else? I can't even deliver what I need to for myself, right? The, the most important relationship, in my opinion, that we have is with ourselves and building that reputation, that friendship really with that guy in the mirror is, is everything to me. It's, it's probably one of the most, or I know it's one of the most important pillars of my life. I don't know where I would rank it in my actual pillars, but it would definitely be top three. I'm not sure how I would function if I didn't have that to fall back on, you know, because when you go through failures, when you go through misses, which we all do, which we all experience, that's something that I can always fall back on. Even when I miss, I didn't mislead myself. Right. So I, 
did everything I set out to do. And if I missed, I missed. I probably won't miss the same thing again because I'm going to learn something from it. I'm going to pull that goal and I'm going to implement it because I'm saying that's the type of person that I am to myself. So I'm going to do it because that's the habit that I have. How do you teach other men to, to that value? Because that's an important value. I, I agree with you. It's, it's one of the top three, one of the top two for me, uh, values of a man is this word. Um, how do you teach that to a man who has always failed keeping his word to himself without getting him angry? It's a great question. <laughs> I'll answer it inversely a little bit. Sometimes I think the anger can help, right? I think there's a there's a dark side, there's a, a little bit of an animalistic side to most of us. And if you can harness that and focus it on something that really isn't going right, but that you really want to change, it can help. You know, I've been mad at myself plenty of times and sometimes that spurs change. So there's nothing wrong with a little bit of anger every once in a while, a little bit of the dark side. But the ability to just start small, I think is crucial. And first you have to understand it. Like, why does this matter? And the way that I was finally able to understand it for myself personally, and I've helped other people understand it is we actually have a relationship with ourselves. You know, I see it as kind of two different things. There's me as just the body. And then there's me, the, the guy I see in the mirror. And that the relationship that I have with the guy in the mirror is the most important relationship that I have in my life. So I try to treat that guy just like I would treat my best friend because he is my best friend. And if you wouldn't lie to your best friend, hopefully you wouldn't, otherwise you're a pretty shitty friend, right? But if you wouldn't lie to your best friend, then why are you lying to that guy? Because he's the most important thing. He's the most important piece that you have. He's the guy that's going to get you everything that you want. And he's the guy that's going to give you the happiness, the joy, the fulfillment, the success, the financial wins, the body, all that stuff. Like you have to have that relationship with that guy. So I treat it as that, an actual relationship. And I would encourage other people to do the same. Whoever that person is in the mirror, you have to understand you have a relationship with that person. And if you don't lie to the people closest to you, you cannot lie to that person. And when you do, that's when you tend to feel super crappy about yourself, right? You, you feel it consistently. And you know, you're the only person that really knows. That's why I use the teeth brushing example, because you're rarely going to wake up in the morning and tell your wife or tell your girlfriend or tell your husband, I'm brushing my teeth three times a day. And you're rarely going to promise that. <laughs> but you tell yourself, and that's just as sacred, if not more. And once you understand that and understand that you have to nurture that relationship with yourself, it gets pretty easy because, again, most of us are pretty good at uh, nurturing at least one relationship in our lives. You know what I mean? Some people have pissed off a lot of friends, a lot of family, whatever it may be, especially if you're going through a tough time. But most of us have figured out how to be a friend or how to be a husband or how to be a wife. Most of us have figured out one relationship. So I encourage you to figure out the one with yourself. And that starts with just not lying to yourself, just like every other relationship starts with. Well, to be honest with you, it's easier to lie to yourself than it is to lie to you let's say your wife or something. And once you get used to lying to yourself, then it's easy to start to lie to other people. So um, it's a slippery slope. And, so, and that, that, uh, that idea that it's easier to lie to yourself, that needs to die. You're right, but it shouldn't be right. It's, it's easier to lie to yourself because we don't understand how impactful and painful that is. If we understood what we are doing to ourselves, our lives and our relationship with ourselves, when we lie to ourselves, I don't think we, that we would do it as much. 
So helping people very clearly understand like, no, dude, this is messed up. <laughs> this is really messed up if you lie to yourself. This is the most important relationship in your life. And it's really messed up if you lie to yourself. Then understanding that and letting that die and letting that sink in, as soon as that stops, I see people's success take off, their fitness, their wealth, their happiness, their fulfillment, whatever they're chasing, they tend to get it when they stop lying to themselves. And that actually, that lying to yourself, that not being able to keep the wor your word to yourself, um, first and foremost, uh, it, it really does a really nasty thing to your self-confidence as well. I agree hundred percent. I believe that's the basis that self-confidence is built on is that reputation with yourself. Like if you know you're that type of guy that never lets you down, that's a pretty confident dude. And even if you don't have the skills, if you're the type of guy that never lets you down and you tell you, well, I can learn this skill, then you can learn it and you will learn it. Is it a myth that some people are just born with confidence? Hmm. That's a great question. It's a nurture versus nature conversation, which is again, an entire podcast. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> uh, I believe it is a myth. I'm a, I'm a bigger fan of the, um, the nurture side of the spectrum. As far as that goes, I think that uh, some people, it seems like maybe they're born confidence when they show up five, six, seven, eight years old confident. But I believe, especially as a parent now, I believe that that has just about everything to do with uh, their first five or six years. Right. So I don't believe that people are necessarily born with confidence, but I do believe you can still at a very, very young age. Other than keeping your word to yourself, is there anything uh, somebody can do to help build their confidence in themselves? Make it simple. Just going back to implementation, I would say would be step two. You know, if you have that, if step one is keeping your word to yourself and step two is implementation, if you think about that, you can learn just about anything. Right. If you know you're going to keep your word yourself and you know that you have the ability to implement the goal that you're exposed to, then you can slowly start to build that evidence, which is going to create the belief and the confidence that you can do just about anything. I've always been a big believer. I've, I've never been a really a natural uh, at anything. But through implementation at a young age, I've been able to find success in just about everything I've done. I've been a big believer that if you throw a minnow in a pond full of sharks or in an ocean full of sharks, if he lives long enough, like he can figure out how to swim like the sharks. And as long as you have that ability to implement, think that people, if you have your word that you're, you're keeping to yourself, if and your confidence is still low, it's probably just because you don't have the skills. And to create the skills, you just have to implement it. To implement, again, you have to keep your word to yourself. And you just have to get exposed and around um, the, the knowledge that you need to learn those skills. And I learned a long time ago that it's not just about learning what to do, but it's about who like you find instead of just the what or the how just find the who like who's doing what you want to do right and if you find that person and you just pull the skills from them and implement those skills then you can build the confidence just through a, a foundation of evidence that's irrefutable you know, if you have low confidence in something i would build as much evidence as you possibly can as fast as you possibly can until the evidence just overwhelms your lack of confidence and you become confident there's another uh, underlying uh, question that I wanted to ask you. Um, how important is the the um, the subconscious language patterns that we have that sometimes come out? Uh, I'll give you an example. Um, someone's trying to um, someone's trying to bring up a new program, 
they've never done this program before in their life. And it's completely and utterly new. And they don't feel confident enough to, to charge for it. And they'll say, you know what, uh, I don't know how much I should charge because it's not, it's not something that I've done before. How can you change that? Because like, how can you change that in that person? Because it's, uh, they do know how to do it. They've done it in the past three, four, five years. They've been doing it for themselves, but they haven't taught it to somebody. So how can you help somebody like that? I think the ability to do something versus the ability to teach and train is slightly different, right? You can, there's a lot of people that are good at things, but not everybody can teach and train it. But if you have the body of evidence to support that you're good at it, then you just have to jump at a certain point. You know, the, you have to create enough evidence to where it overwhelms your, your insecurities around doing the thing. And there has to, you have to ask yourself, like, at what point can I, have I built enough evidence to where it's absolutely irrefutable that I can do this at a high level. And at that point, there's no magic sauce. You know I mean, if you have the evidence, you have to jump. You just have to jump at that point. And you can't be afraid of that failure. You know, that I think that one of the oldest and most probably overused, but true things in the self-development and the self-help space is that concept of getting outside your comfort zone. And that's where the growth exists. That's again, it's, it's used. It's, it's, it's very, very well used, but it's for a reason. You know, if you find yourself consistently comfortable, then you're not going to grow. And if you are up against that, for example, in the example you used, if you are a coach about to do something you've never done and it feels your heart starts beating a little bit and then you feel the constriction in your chest, good. Like it's supposed to hurt a little bit. <laughs> it's supposed to be a little freaking scary because if it's not, you're not, you're not going big enough. So understanding that that feeling and that insecurity, sometimes that's a good thing and it's, you know, if you're consistently, if you're good at something for a long time, and you're still feeling that, then it's probably a different conversation. But if you don't occasionally feel that, and by occasion, I mean weekly, if you don't weekly feel that, that constriction and that fear a little bit, you're probably not going big enough. That kind of contradicts to the next section that we're going to be talking about, um, because it's, um, we're going to be talking about like leading a low stress life. How can you be leading a low stress life when you're always in that constant little bit of fear every single week? Because that's a, that's a habit and that's something that you become accustomed to. And it doesn't necessarily have to be fear. It's just outside the comfort zone. But once you've gotten out there enough times, even though it keeps your heart racing a little bit, like people that, for example, people that regularly jump out of planes, they're not scared, but they're definitely outside their comfort zone for quite, quite some time right? Like you don't have to be scared about it, but knowing that you're going into an unknown room, but that your thing is going into unknown rooms, right? There's a difference. And knowing that it's good for you to be in that unknown room, but it still gets your heart racing. It still gets your blood pumping. I believe that's the place that you want to consistently visit weekly, not necessarily a place where you're petrified and you know terrified. I believe the, uh, I think that the number was 4% outside of your challenge and skills level is right where you want to be to where it can't kill you, but to where you're not sitting on the couch, right? I, I surf a lot. And the great example of that, if, um, you know, if I, I don't know if, have you ever surfed, John? No, I've never surfed. So if I take you out today, the waves are like two to three feet. This would actually be a really good day for you to learn. And it would feel like six foot waves for you, right? It would, it would be outside your comfort zone. You'd be like, holy crap, this is wild. <laughs> right? So that would be awesome. 
Now, if I take you out uh, on Tuesday and it's 10 feet, that would be a size that could potentially kill you. And that's too far outside your comfort zone. <laughs> I mean, we, we don't want to go out in 10 feet, but to consistently push yourself that four to 5% level right outside your comfort zone and know that this is what I do. I always think of it as a, I have like a visualization for it. So every time I feel that, I try to feel it regularly. Every time I feel that as opposed to, because as men, as women, we've all felt that where we know we could either lean in or lean out. And we also know that when we lean in, especially when it goes well, there's not really many better feelings than that. And when we lean out, that's usually when we start lying to ourselves, like, oh, that wasn't the right thing to do anyway. And like, we just make excuses for it. So I've developed this visualization for it that when I feel that feeling, I'm able to identify it, which most of us are, but I just think of a bull uh, and a matador. And I just think of that feeling as like the red thing. And I just picture myself as the bull. Like if I'm feeling that I got to charge for that thing, because that's exactly what will make me comfortable doing so and able to consistently do so and grow at the rate that I want to grow. What if somebody keeps doing that and they keep consistently fail and mm -hmm. they don't see the point of continuing and they're like, you know what, screw this. I'm just going to go get a nine to five and just forget about this. This is just rack it up as a failure, big failure. It's a great question. There's a million variables to that, right? But in general, I would I recommend that you find somebody that's good at doing that and continue to do it as opposed to just continue to do it the wrong way, potentially, which is what you're doing if you're consistently failing. Find somebody who's good at it and get help. There's You don't have to buy a coach if you don't have the, the finances to do so. There's plenty of people that can speak eloquently on this, that can show you exactly how to do it for free on Instagram, the people like that, you know, all over the internet, YouTube, that just make sure that person's really, really good at it and find experts on this topic because what experts do is they take all the data that you might have to try to go through for the next 10 years. They can give you their 10, 20 years of experience and organize that data for you and give you a process on exactly how to do it. So if you're consistently doing it, one, great job because not many people have the courage to do that. So kudos to you don't give up just get better and if you can't figure out how to get better by yourself not many people can now, i was that hard-headed idiot for a long time and i did everything the hard way until i realized there's people that can give me the information to make this really simple and i can actually just continue to work hard but i can do it much more efficiently because somebody far better than me is telling me how to organize my thoughts how to organize my actions and the daily habits that I need to make this the most effective uh, use of my time so I can fail less and consistently acquire that growth that I'm after. I love that because I'm the hard head that keeps just bashing his head up against the wall. Sure. I still am sometimes. I still am sometimes. But... That wall's getting really red. <laughs> yeah, so, is your, so is your head typically. <laughs> um, we're coming up close to the end of the show. And these are the seven or eight questions that I ask all my guests. And I'd just like to get your perspective on these seven or eight topics. Awesome. With the increase in people suffering from depression, from the constant uncertainty that we've been living through for the last two to three years, what would be the one thing that you could tell them to keep their hopes up? The one thing I could tell them to keep their hopes up or the one thing I would recommend that they do? Uh, keep their hopes up. And as a bonus, one thing that they can do. <laughs> To keep their hopes up, I would just leverage the the resiliency of the, the human race. You know, we're going to figure this stuff out. We've been very, very good at overcoming adversity, and, and we've been 
kicking ass for a couple thousand years. And this this is a dark time or has been a dark time for a lot of different people and, and for the uh, for society as a whole. But when I think about stuff like that, I always leverage, again, just history, just evidence, right? The body of evidence that we have that suggests that humans and that uh, the different countries that we live in are going to make it and going to be just fine is, is overwhelming, in my opinion. And then the one thing to do if you're that individual, if you're suffering from that depression, from that anxiety, uh, I'll package it into two things. It's just it's the sim simplest possible way to, to explain it. I right? just move and eat good, move and eat whole foods and just get outside. Try that for a couple of weeks and just, you can't tell me at that point that you don't feel better than you did before. It's not an end all, cure all, be all. You know, there's a million different things that, um, or a million different situations or variables to those situations, I should say that people are going through. But if you are not doing that, adding that, in my opinion, adding that to your, uh, to your day will help every single human being that isn't doing it. Very cool. Um, what's the one thing that you do daily that amplifies your ability to stay focused? Meditation. It's the very first thing that I do. I train my body a lot, but the first thing I do when I wake up, I drink 30 ounces of water and then it's straight to meditation before I do anything else. And it gives me uh, most of my best ideas. It's funny in the 15 to 20 minutes that I meditate every single day, I'll typically have more great ideas then than I will throughout the entire day. <laughs> That's when most of my best stuff comes. If you could pick up the phone right now and call yourself at 20 years old, what would you tell yourself? Mm, that's an awesome question. I would tell myself to find help earlier. I don't regret any of the experience that I went through. They all made me who I am today, but it didn't have to be because obviously we didn't get into, into my 20s, which we don't want to, but it didn't, it didn't have to be as hard as it was. Right? Back to the hard-headed thing. To find somebody that has what you want, that can do what you want to do, and work with them. And it could save you a lot of pain and heartache. But at the same time, I am grateful for everything that I went through. Uh, it kind of leads into the next question. I think you kind of answered it. Looking back, would you change anything? I can't say I would change anything. And that would be the piece of advice I would give, but I can't say I would change anything. I've got to be grateful for uh, everything that I went through because it made me who I am today. And at 35, I'm in a place where I've, I've never been happier or healthier. So I can't be mad at that, you know. What scares you? Not reaching, not reaching the person that I was supposed to be not reaching the man that I was supposed to be. I've always believed that I've had a big, big potential and a big ability to accomplish just about anything. So fear of failure with failure being not catching the man I'm supposed to be. Where do you see Olympus in the next five years? It's a great question, John. I, I want to continue to just build as many lives as possible. That's the intention. And I want to bring in as many great people and build as many lives as possible. So I see that as just a very efficient, lean coaching company that's helping a ton of people. And I'm super focused on the uh, the process itself, continuing to also scale the, the side of my career that, that is the solar side, and eventually getting to a point where I can bring in just about any human being and help them get what they want in record time and if that's 
50 people at that point, fantastic. If that's 50,000 people at that point, fantastic. I just want to be an expert at doing exactly that. Awesome. How about you personally? Where do you see yourself in the next five years? Happier, healthier, just continuing to improve every day and a little bit closer to uh, to catching that man that I was born to be. Uh, where can people find more about you? Instagram would be the, uh, the easy go-to. It's just Owen Santos underscore on Instagram. And you can connect with me there, DM me there, uh, get actually personal coaching from me there. And either way, I would just love to connect with all your listeners and help them in any way that I can. And I would love to love to be able to continue to add value at the, the highest level possible through a couple of different social platforms. But right now we're fully focused on Instagram. Awesome. And I'll put the, uh, the link for all my listeners and all my viewers to get a hold of you there uh, with the show in the show notes. So it's easy access to you. Awesome. I appreciate that, John. Uh, any final thoughts? I'm grateful to be here. Grateful for the opportunity. You are uh, you're one of the easiest podca podcast hosts to speak to uh, that I've had the pleasure of doing so yet. So hope to be back on soon. And I appreciate the opportunity, John. Well, thank you for coming on. Um, I'm I'm so grateful that you came on too. Um, it's uh, it's really good to 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 bring on somebody that has a business aspect too this and a very business mind to this because a lot of my listeners um they're in that rut and they don't know how to get out of it right and that's uh and to, to for, for for you to come on and talk about like you know how to build the self-confidence when all this stuff it's it's going to be it's really helpful for them so thank you so much uh thank you for your wisdom and thank you for coming on the show it was really great i'm really grateful for you to have you here Anytime, John. I'll leave uh, you and your listeners with my favorite quote from uh, Matthew McConaughey, which is, especially if you're in a rut, just start with something as simple as being cool to your future self. Just do something that is cool to your future self and consistently do those things and watch how it eventually moves your life in the direction that you want and hopefully helps you get everything that you want out of it. Awesome. It would be even cooler if you could do it in Matthew McConaughey's voice. Mm. <laughs> uh, man, I could try. Uh, let's see. What does he say? He says, man, be cool to your future self. <laughs> That's my best impression. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, going through hard times is just a test. What you need to know is that when you get out of whatever you're going through, you will be stronger than ever before, and you don't need to go through it alone. Always know that you are not alone. Stay tuned for more real people with amazing stories that are just like yours. Until then, to everyone out there listening, I wish you a good morning, good afternoon, or good night, wherever you may be in this crazy world. Hey guys, John from Resilient Reboot Productions and the Fitness Oracle. I just wanted to thank you for watching this episode and I really do hope that you enjoyed it. Please don't forget to subscribe, hit that bell, and share this episode if you are watching this on YouTube or on Rumble. If you are listening to this on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Breaker FM, or whatever streaming service that you may be using, please give us a five-star rating and a positive review as it will help us reach out to more people that are suffering from mental health issues. Now, if you haven't done so already, um, I am offering 
access to a free weekly newsletter that we send out every Sunday. And it would and is jam-packed with podcasting tips and health and wellness tips to keep you balanced um, in the podcasting and content creating space. So if you haven't done so already, sign up to this free newsletter. It's uh it's totally free. And it also gives you access to the uh the fitness oracle private community in Mighty Networks, where we talk about this episode, we talk about how to implement how you have implemented these uh, lessons that you've picked up in your life and how it's impacted your life. And we are working on a lot of great other um, um, programs and and uh, support systems for you guys to be able to, uh, to access. So if you haven't done so already, sign up to the newsletter and uh, I'll see you guys on the inside.